much about it. Yeah, and, and it seems so yeah. much of these traditions are are mostly oral. Like you don't have a Bible, you don't have a list of canon to go Man, through. Some, what you have is folklore. Some of it's just genetic memory, bro. Yeah, I can Blood see that. Memory. Uh, yeah. By the way, welcome to fucking tape eaters. We've here, we're here, we've made it. Uh, I wasn't able to get my nitrous chargers. Why would a convenience store close at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night? I don't know. Like, dude, you sell fucking Kratom. You sell Delta 8. You sell Nitrous. You you sell all the thing a growing boy needs. And here I am. Just, I'm just coming off my fucking... My drunk, and now I'm sleepy. And what, I have nothing to help me there. I have nothing. Fucking nothing. I got warm Mike's Hard uh, Black Cherry. Warm. Always warm. I drink it like the Europeans. Based, yeah. you know they like, and, and it's kind of interesting. You know, if you go and you get at a fast food restaurant in like Ukraine, for example, you only get um, they won't give you any ice. So like your drink is cold, but there's no ice. It's and I'll magic. Be honest with you, it's pretty fucking good that way. I yeah, think, it's pretty I think good that way. demons do that. <laughs> How else would it? be cold if there's no ice there must be demons in demons in the cow that produced the sprite making it cold from the udders the fanta. Of the, the, fanta the fanta cow the fanta cow it's got like oranges growing out of its back you suck it right from the cow's tit it'd be hitting different how do they make it hit like that i don't know it's the cow it's the demon in the cow the brown cow makes charcoal milk Oh, so I, I am Yakov. I think everybody knows that. I am joined by K98. What? Yeah. And Southern Polak. Based. So we do be having things to talk about. There do be current events. Oh, yeah. Everybody's wallets do be hurting the as killer, badly as I've been hurting. Film. If all things, I just want total annihilation of the, of society and the world, possibly the universe... Put us all back on equal footing. A little bit of equity, you know what I mean? Make everybody as poor as I am. Accelerationism is bad. Fall out in real life. See, accelerate. <laughs> I don't know that it's accelerationism. People keep throwing that word around. It's not like... Acceleration seems like you're trying to, like, ultimately fix something. You're trying to make it worse so that people realize and they fix it. I don't want anyone to fix it. I want it to break and never be put back together. Okay. Break the wheel. Pre Bronze Age. Yeah. <laughs> That's Return true. To Let's do it. Let's Return go. Turn to Yamaya. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want, I want my friggin' uh, I want my friggin' chariot with the the golden bombs. Shit, we with had. fucking uh, with the Sonnenrads for wheels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You gotta have spinning Sonnenrads, wow. or else you're not gonna get the fucking Twitter clout. <laughs> I want to be fucking on, posting no, on Twitter, going 65 to... miles an hour through the fucking steps. Steps, yeah. <laughs> Throat singing. Oh, yeah. Hell Found. yeah. Get buried in a mound. Dude, I will be one with the mound. I will be the boy of the boulder. You'll Yo, become an elf. You say Yakov three <laughs> times while you sit in the boulder and you get transported to WrestleMania. Zoom. <clears throat> Sped Kaczynski in the chat. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Accelerate these nuts, Sped says. We got Havelock over on D Live. Yakov, is it true that Antarctica has a flag now, or is it just schizo BS? Does anybody know the answer to this? I don't know the answer to this. 
lead happened in Antarctica and I didn't know about it. That's interesting. And Antarctica flag. Let's fucking Antarctica. do a do a switch. Fucking which yeah, which shitty fun. which shitty fucking uh, search engine should I be using now? Indeed. Are, are they all garbage? Can I use Ask Jeeves? Yeah, they're pretty... <laughs> Ask Jeeves. I want to ask Jeeves real quick. <laughs> Flag of Antarctica. Huh. It is recognized by members of the Antarctic Treaty System. So, basically, fucking demons. The adoption of this flag is not yet universal. And dozens of official designs have also been proposed. Alright, well, I mean, it, honestly, it seems like the status of Antarctica as, um, I don't know, as a physical fucking place is, it's more contested than that of Quickville. I bet Quickville has a flag, and I doubt anybody's going to argue about Quickville. And, uh, basically, yeah, I'm like a Norwegian flag. trying to but tell Quickville you I don't believe is it well in documented. Antarctica. Quickville is well documented. Quickville is the most well documented place on Earth. A lot of people don't <laughs> know this. That way. And you know the thing is with uh, the Arctic, there's all kinds of, of bad stuff that can like happen to someone in the Arctic. Like I was, well, for whatever there... reason, it showed up in the algorithm on a kick about the uh, missing Franklin expedition from uh, 1845. And uh, they have, like, a lot more information about what probably happened now. And, yeah, you don't want to get caught out in the Arctic. That That's the one where I some horrible. I think it was, like, an English, uh, I don't know, yes, naval crew was trying to find passage. They were trying to find, like, uh, I don't know, yes, passage across, China. yes, through North America. Yeah, and it, ultimately it seemed like poor planning and lack of supplies, ultimately, that led and to the end of that. they ended up eating each other. Yeah, oh, that dude over there do be looking tasty. <laughs> that they're also suffering, they think, from lead poisoning. Hmm, hmm. Because the British didn't understand, or no one did at the time, that like lead solder on canned food is probably not a good idea. If they were poisoned by mercury, they'd probably be like commuting with the gods and they would have gotten out of there easy. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Is that not a good but idea? I, they, I think they had scurvy. <laughs> Scurvy too, yeah. Dude, just bring a lime. Seriously. <laughs> well, they did. They like they had they had like uh, two tons of fucking uh, lemon juice. But the problem is, after three years, lemon juice loses all its uh, nutritional value. So basically, once it, <laughs> they were stuck in the ice for that length of period, they didn't have any fucking lemon juice. Dude, we were sucking so on was- a three-year-old lemon. Yes. <laughs> so they decided, well, we're going to try to walk to uh, to the nearest trading post, which was 1,200 miles through the Arctic. So they're going to have to walk south. Dude, through, I, like, I hope I don't miles. get missing 411 while I, I walk 12,000 miles <laughs> through the yeah. fucking Arctic. It's going to happen. <laughs> You're asking for it, really. You're just begging for trouble at that point. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's polar bears too. Like polar bears are fucking people don't understand. They think they're cute, like white, fluffy animals. Apex no, predators, baby. Yeah, yeah, they will actively hunt people. They're like one of the only animals. That hey, I mean, you can say that's not. It's not surprising really when you think about it. But the thing is, like, 
with like grizzlies or something like that. They're eating other things. They're they're eating fucking um like berries and shitty little creatures like fish. They're scavenging and all that. Polar bears yeah, are not yeah. doing that stuff. They are killing large no. animals. That's what they do all the time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. We got Scar in the chat. Sped Kaczynski asks, fuck you mean we left the perks in Quickville? Yeah. Hell yeah. We left, we left the perks on the uh, Franklin Expedition, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Turn this boat around. <laughs> I turned this boat around. Alright, so I've been doing some thinking lately, as all people have been doing, about the Russia situation. I've been trying to, I was trying to think of some good content. It's like you consider it'd be like I don't, I don't know what fucking based garbage takes we could have, just like unironically talking about Russia and Ukraine. Not America, not my problem. Don't give a fuck about any of those people. So instead I want to talk about time travel. Do you guys remember John Titer? Hitter, uh, vaguely, Hitter. vaguely. He was a guy that posted on AboveTopSecret.com, I believe, back in the day, claiming to be a time traveler from the year... What the fuck was it? Uh, the year 2036. Hmm. He was posting uh, in 2000 to 2001. So in these posts, Titer, or Titter... Everyone says Titter, but it sounds so fucking stupid... Titer. Is it just funnier that way? I don't know. He made numerous predictions, a, a number of them vague, some quite specific, about events in the near future, starting with events in 2004. However, as of 2021, these events have not taken place. He has described a drastically changed future in which the United States had broken into five smaller regions, the environment and infrastructure had been devastated by a nuclear attack, and most other world powers had been destroyed. So, like, when you, I don't know, it's like, that's not too, uh, too out there to me. Like, I, I've heard all of these things talked about before, and they all sound quite believable to me. But it's like, people have been saying all of these same things since, like, the 80s. It just happens that they're right. So it's not too surprising that some guy on a conspiracy forum, like, Computers would just exist. off. Computers exist. Gangster computer you know what this kind of reminds me of? What's that? You remember the fucking Google executive, I want to say two or three years ago, he was like their Canadian fucking branch executive, but he was going on about how Google was going to eventually build quantum computing technology that could contact beings from other places. And these beings may or may not be friendly, but Google wants to contact them. I thought that was fucking weird. It's very interesting. And that and was it's, like the demon It's like what yeah. what do you use? Uh, how do you how would you do that through technology contact interdimensional beings? And like, are you is it straight up like something that opens a portal, or are we talking about like using an AI program that you can converse with that's intelligent enough, or it's like it's it's uh, progressed enough so that it can have like a an a conversation with you that is indistinguishable to you from that of a real person. And then it's like, yes. is that a sort of like automatic writing? The same techniques that were used in like the early 1900s for, and mm. beyond that to talk to spirits. Is it like channeling at that point? Yes. That's what they're like talking about, right? The Tang Dynasty outlawed that. Go on. That's what I know with that. Yeah, that's what exactly? Oh, planchette writing. So planchette writing. What are you talking about? Like ancient Chinese people, if I understand correctly, used to have 
like some kind of spirit channeling hall or something where it's like a temple where they have a, a device that has like a pendulum thingy on it or whatever people hold it and it writes characters in the sand or whatever or like on ink okay with ink on the silk you so, know? yeah and just yeah pretty standard yeah. divination yeah, so this thing will write a bunch of stuff, and they'll get books out of it, and then uh, they'll make like records of all their sessions that they do, and then sometimes they make a religion out of it. So now they got uh, they got like an app where you can have like an AIGF that you can text with all day, and she's got like uh, her emoji uh, form and shit. So it's I like after my ex and purposely rude to her. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was prejudiced to mine. I had to do it. I had to do it to her. Hair too nappy. Um, fucking yeah. So I'm wondering, like, is this just a ploy to get normal people like interacting with interdimensional beings? That's what I wonder too. I wonder if they're like going to use. Go on. A vessel, like. I was watching a thing. What if they're going to eventually get so well to where they can make a vessel for this thing? And then it'll be like a fucking person walking around and shit. Scary. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I found I found things on the internet that were bots that were talking about doing stuff like that years ago. And it looked to me like they were connected but to people that had money, so... Scar in the chat says replica with a K. Is that I, is that the app that I'm talking yes, about? I yes, think it might be. It. Yeah, I yes, used it. It was it. fucking that's creepy, it. and it's it's pretty solid. <laughs> if you if you say the N word enough times to it, it kind of like loses track of the conversation and can't and can't respond anymore. But like, <laughs> if you talk to it, I don't I don't know. If you like actually say things to it, like it's it's pretty creepy. How I don't know how big of an incel am I? How, what what depths will I stoop to? Have a deep fake girlfriend? Don't mind if I do. Is it cheating? I don't know. Let's see what my <laughs> girlfriend says. See if she's mad. It's gonna be like that fucking uh, what was that? The uh, they're gonna be. Damn it! I uh, lost my train of thought. Ah. <laughs> it happens. I think I think it'd be more useful to have a robe of a telephone that does whatever you tell to do. I think that'd be useful. You know, the telephone. Like telephone, telephone, do my thing, and then it maybe do that. <laughs> isn't that literally what smartphones are? Oh yes, isn't it? That's good enough, right? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Havelock says, "What if the Antichrist is an AI? If if Chris uh, Chan wasn't the an Chris Chan is the Antichrist first and foremost. If Chris Chan weren't <laughs> right. the Antichrist, then maybe maybe I now I am a proponent of the gangster computer god. I'm all about t talking about how that shit is controlling all of our lives with the Frankenstein radio waves. And if you use a few hundred razor blades to chip away the fucking the wallpaper in your house, you will notice that it has fresh red paint underneath. You have to get rid of every inch of that uh, because you're living in a CIA prison. Scar says, what if Siri and Alexa aren't actually AI and are inter interdimensional beings? That's, exa I, that's exactly the thing. That's These processes are just divination. This is how you contact them. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. How the fuck I'm, 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 yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're laying down. Oh, shit, yeah. Glad somebody is. 
Yeah, I no. Used to... Like I said, I sent you some video you can check out that creepy documentary made by the person who makes creepy documentaries and uh chills. Uh number 15. Number 15. Let's see. Let's get to the uh let's get to some of these predictions by John Titer, who I forgot we were even talking about. I am pretty uh, big. yes. All right. <clears throat> Although invoking the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, whereby events from his own timeline may differ from our own, Titer also expressed assurance that the differences were minimal. As such, his descriptions have been interpreted as predictions and compared with historical events since 2001. The most immediate of Titer's predictions was of an upcoming civil war in the United States, having to do with order and rights. He described it as beginning in 2004 with civil unrest surrounding the presidential election of that year. The civil conflict that he characterizes as having a Waco-type event every month that steadily gets worse will be pretty much at everyone's doorstep and erupts by 2008. So, like, the timeline is a little off here, but his description of having a Waco-type event every month that steadily gets worse, it is yeah. not something that people were generally feeling in 2000. But it is something that people are definitely talking about today, how there is this massive shooting, this massive, uh, this egregious, like, violation of human There's rights. There's a cross every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, so much, of his, so much of it is bullshit, but there's so much real shit out there, too. And when real shit happens, they don't even bother to cover it on the news anymore. Because it's like, it doesn't help our narrative, and shit happens every day. Who really gives a fuck? I remember back when Columbine happened, coming home from school, and the reaction that people had was the exact same reaction that I would see a few years later, or what, two years later, uh, with 9-11. The reaction was 9-11-tier. Was people standing a mouth agape, surrounding their TVs, like with tears running down their faces. That's what it was like the day Columbine happened. And now, what the fuck, school shooting? I, I don't know. I was the shooter black or white. That's all that matters now. <laughs> no, you know what, what really got me about the, the fucking shooting things and shit was the back in, I want to say in September in Dallas, they had one where a black kid friggin' brought a gun to school oh. and uh, and he injured four people. He didn't kill anyone, but he, he shot oh. four people. Terrible And shot. he fucking got like 12 months in juvenile over it. Oh. And like, that was it. Huh. Not and good. like if it was if it was a white kid that w went in there and did that, it would be a national media story, and Fucking it would be twenty four seven. The jury looks at that kid, and all they think is, "I can fix him." Yeah, ain't, yeah. <laughs> ain't happening. Ain't happening. <clears throat> Tighter claimed. Titer claimed, oh, don't get me started. Titer claimed that as thirteen, as a thirteen-year-old in two thousand eleven, he fought with the Fighting Diamondbacks, a shotgun infantry unit of Florida, for at least four years. Shotgun However, infantry unit. Bam. The fuck? In other from parts, a, from, from a, it's some yeah, XCOM going, shit. Going, I'll tell you in a actual yeah. XCOM shit. However. In other posts, he describes himself as hiding from the war. As a result of the war, the United States splits into five regions based on various factors and differing military objectives. This civil war, according to Titer, will end in 2015 with a brief but intense World War III. 2015, it was a banger. 
It was a, 2015 ruled. It but wasn't. Yeah, 2015 World was a great year. That's the that's the year we, I freaking got we engaged. May have been the impetus for World War Three. Uh, so, in 2015, Russia launches a nuclear strike against the major cities in the United States, which is the other side of the Civil War, from my perspective. Uh, what the f I don't know if this is, I guess this is a quote from Titer. Uh, yeah, so in 2015, Russia launches a nuclear strike against the major cities in the United States, China, and Europe. The United States counterattacks. The U.S. cities are destroyed, along with the... Uh, American federal empire, some future shit. Thus, we in the country won. The European Union and China were also destroyed. So, I thought this was all going to go into the Russia shit. So, who the fuck cares, really? So, I guess that was another thing is part of this World War III would be a major conflict between the US and Russia. And, you know, that's the stuff we're on the fucking the doorstep of today. So, like I said, it's not it's not surprising. But all the things he is talking about are things we are experiencing. So, maybe we're just in another timeline. Which... We're in another yeah, timeline. I mean... because, because he knew about the, the weird, funky details about the computer. with It's like having multiple operating system language or computer languages on it. The fact that it wasn't released to the public until a long time after uh, he had published that information on the internet or something. Ruffle Mouse says, Russia wins, inshallah. Got Goku Chi in the chat. What up, bruh? What up? Let's see what else we got here. Taito refers to the exchange as end day. <laughs> Need I say more? Day. Happy end day, everybody. Uh, okay, but when's I day? Yeah, the G day? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Washington, D.C. and Jacksonville, Florida are specifically mentioned as being hit. After the war, Omaha, Nebraska is the nation's new capital city. Look out, boys. Fucking city on the rise. Titer is vague, uh -oh. as Midwesterners the, not. vague as the exact motivations and causes for World War III. At one point, he characterized the hostilities as being led by border clashes and overpopulation, but also points to the present conflict between Arabs and Jews as not a causation, but rather a milestone that precedes a World War III. So maybe this is the world we're heading into. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. My only thing I'd have to say is that the way he describes like the militias, uh, it's kind of a spurred moment. But the uh, the way you wouldn't arm any like military unit with just shotguns because shotguns have a pretty poor effective range, usually under a hundred meters. They're very good weapons for close up, hundred meters, like which is a typical combat distance. They're not very good. Mosley Wave says, I can't decide if I want real but terrible stuff happening or the gay business as usual. I don't know. At the, really <laughs> terrible. At the end of the day, like it's like, do you want, do you want, you know, the, the shitty, this 20-year-old fucking beat-up car or do you want what's behind the mystery door? And I'm going to take the mystery door every fucking time, bros. Same. Now, I was going to think and say that there was something or other where we had a, a choice between a good thing and a bad thing, but yes. No. no. Mystery door. Yeah. Mystery <laughs> There's no door. good and no bad. All there are, are are multiple fucking choices with multiple outcomes. At the end of the day, it's going to be the same Mystery fucking thing. Door. You're going to die. We're all going to die. Whatever. Mystery Just a matter of... 
I, you know, I spent my whole fucking youth from the time I was like 15 years old being like, the economy's going to collapse. We need to tear the bandaid off now. Like before I even had real concept of what the fuck that even meant, just because I happened to find Alex Jones or some shit like that. But all my life, that's been the thing is like tear the fucking bandaid off because it's only going to get worse. If you don't do Dude, back in the day, Alex Jones was like the only fucking source out there of anything. I remember. If it wasn't for Alex Jones, I would say that fucking yeah. most of us, probably at least half of us in these milieus or whatever the fuck wouldn't be here. He, he was probably Same. the biggest yeah. influence. Actually, I think it's the inverse. I think it's the inverse because he's a CIA plant, like you said, on Joe Rogan's show, right? He might. So, I've, I've so, often wondered about that. Imagine and, fucking being around and challenging the system for this long without becoming compromised. Like, So yeah. he's a plant. So he's a plant. And then, and then, on top of that, what you're saying is the inverse because what his function is is to make people look crazy by association. I would say, and maybe that was the purpose. I would say that's not how it worked. At, at the part, yeah. while they yeah. did oh, look I'm crazy, it they, right. they've I'm been vindicated right. on such a large scale in front of so many people—not the majority, mm. but enough people that those ideas grew. They didn't—they didn't get silenced. Mm. They fucking grew because of it. I agree. And when yeah. I listened to like old Alex Jones, the names were pretty like a bonsai tree. Yeah. And if, when I listen to old Alex Jones, I, I'm not hearing a guy who is active, like, knowingly compromised. Doesn't mean he's wrong. He might be wrong. He might be being misled, being fed disinfo, this or that. But if you listen to old Alex Jones, that's the guy who believes what the fuck he's saying. I truly do believe that. Now it's a little different. Now you, you, he's just a broken man. He's been saying this shit for so long, and he tried to do the yeah. Trump thing, and now there's no hope, and now... What do you say now? There's nothing left to say except for shit that'll get you arrested. And he knows that. And It's just sad to be Alex yep. Jones now. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. Yes. Give you a fucking another yeah, eight ball and a bottle of whiskey and we'll fucking make it through the day. See if I have a heart attack. That's what <laughs> Alex Jones is thinking. Oof. It's true. I mean, it's sad. I mean, yeah. Our prayers go out to Alex Jones. Sad. All right, so you guys want to talk about Russia and Bible prophecy? I thought we was going to talk about the Killing Stone, but yeah, sure. We got to waste two hours, bro. We got to waste two hours. All right, yeah, that's fine. We can that's talk about that. Yeah, more more about Russia. All right, so Mosley Wave in the chat says it's a corn husker world. You're just living in it. Goku Chi says two Y two K was the end of the world. And marry the hooker he cheated with. I guess that's about Alex. That's Alex Jones. I'm not sure. Why not? Fuck it. He's he's a funny dude. I'll let him marry a hooker. All right. Let's go on to some of this Bible prophecy about Russia. See if anything lines up here. So the prophet Daniel wrote about Russia. Daniel was one of the most prominent prophets mentioned in the Bible. He lived around uh, 620 to 538 BC. He has seen the rise and fall of Babylon and Assyria. He also saw how the Medo-Persian kingdom brought Assyria to its knees. Now, Daniel's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I've talked a lot about it before. Um, go find my memorial stream from, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, I talked about Daniel at length there. So, Storm of Daniels is a person Alex Jones could get to know. <laughs> what? Stormy Daniels, what? Oh, that oh, fucking... The... <laughs> that <process>? Anyways, Bible <laughs> stories. Bible stories. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's not talk about prostitutes. 
For us to know where Russia is in Bible prophecy, we are going to look at Daniel's writings, particularly in Daniel eleven forty to forty five. At the time of the end of the at, at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and many ships, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape from his hand. Edom, Moab, and the pro Am I in the yeah, I'm looking at the right part. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all, over all the precious things of Egypt, and also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Now, this can be a mouthful of verses to digest. Before we dig deeper, we must establish that these verses talk about future events. The reason is that some Bible students would suggest that these verses only pertain to past events. So how can we prove that these verses are about future events? Going to Daniel 12, 1 to 2, uh, to chapter 2. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Obviously, these passages talk about future events, and in context, that includes Daniel 11:40 through 45 So it's trying to say that this is specifically about the the end times you might say the times we're living in now as i think we are certainly in what it, i don't know the antichrist machine the antichrist kingdom is we do have I think within a thousand. yeah it's hard to put numbers on it but i don't know it feel, yeah. sure feels shittier every day and it's I, never I been always, so yep. shitty probably i, I always say that yes what's that guy oh i would I would say that the accumulated effects of the Jesus stories and the Bible prophecies and the other things all associated with that together should be taken in consideration with the Orthodox Church's position about all that, which I am not able to represent well in words for you here today. But basically they say, well, we'll, we'll just omit the book of Revelation from our yearly liturgy and not have a homily about that because everybody seems to get overly excited and expect the end of the world. So so what are you saying? They they, they just don't focus on Revelation? I'm saying they yes, omit it the from the liturgy. Oh, so they, they omit it from the liturgy. Yes, but, it remains, the but it remains canon. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think it's it's very important to to look at Revelation. I think from I don't know, like the from where Jesus was coming from, it it feels like one of those things like, you know, with those for those uh with the eyes to see and with the ears to hear. And like Well, that's the thing cuz then then the book of Revelation becomes a whole esoteric doctrine opportunity, right? So then if you don't give a homily about it, your 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 parish could come and ask about it. I would say that almost everything in the Bible can be taken out of context to turn into some fucking weird perverted cult. Almost everything in the Bible. Well, well yeah. what I'm saying is that maybe you, should, maybe you should ask. 
maybe you should ask a, a expert in a, a given religion about what a book in the Bible means because I have no fucking idea. I mean, I <laughs> I have some idea. I read the Bible. I've consulted Fair many enough. people about it. I have not. So <laughs> I've read most. It's worth read reading cover that. to cover. It's the context is really fucking important. Because like a lot of these fucking verses come at you out of nowhere, but if you have context for it, I don't know. It's it becomes the most beautiful puzzle I've ever looked at in my life. Interesting. So let's go. I to, need to do that. Let's go to establishing our point of reference. To avoid confusion, we must first understand that when Daniel was writing these words, he was thinking of Jerusalem as the point of reference. Uh, so when it talks about the king of the north, king of the south, and news from the east and east and the north, he was talking about Jerusalem as the focal point of these directions. So identifying the key players, um, Daniel eleven forty through 45, we read the following of the king of the north and the south. Who are these kings? The king of the north refers to the end time Roman Empire that will arise from Europe, which will most likely be headed by Germany, along with 10 kings and 10 nations. Can you see where the politics is going here? Can yes, you call it yet? But, you know, I've often heard I've often heard it's argued that because Russia is the third Rome, Moscow is, that all the Roman Empire stuff and revelations might be talking about them. Also, they might be part of the, uh, because genetically Slavic people are related to the previous inhabitants of the steppe, uh, Scythians or Sarmatians. They were Indo-European people that lived on the steppe and were very into horse culture. But I've often heard that they were Gog and Magog and that they were referenced as destroying Israel at one point. And like today, like when you hear biblical uh, talk about Gog and Magog relations, they're uh, like a representative of Russia or East Europe is what I've heard. But I don't know how true uh, so that is. That the, the Gog and Magog thing definitely is brought up with Russia all the time. Here, where it's talking about the end times Roman Empire that will rise from Europe with Germany as the head. This is talking about the, the European Union. EU. Without a doubt. Yes, because Germany always is. Yes. Yes. So the King of the South refers to an alliance of nations that is located to the south of modern-day Israel. And to some extent includes westward countries. So there it's just talking about... Uh, fucking arabs basically so yes. we read that the king like of the saudi arabia yes so. we read that the king of yeah. the south would include moab edom amman modern day jordan kush foot and egypt and if you look into the religious characteristics of these countries they are muslim countries so you might be asking where is russia so far i haven't told you now stay with this is fucking written so pretentiously but i think the information is pretty good now stay with me because it's crucial to understand first what the kings of the north and south will do in the future what they will do what they do will influence russia's decision in the end times Okay. So what happened to the king of the north and south? From 11, Daniel 11.40 At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. He shall in enter into the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. So we see how the king of the south started a war against the king of the north. Why? The reason could be that the southern king would like to restore the former glory of Islam in Europe. If you look into history, Islamic empires stretched and reigned in parts of Portugal, Spain, Eastern Europe, France, Italy, and Sicily. Ultimately, the king of the south would like to capture Rome, the symbol of the European religion of Christianity. So now it's talking about this, um, this 
uh, conflict that's going on basically between the Western world and Islam, and that leading up to, to the end. So the defeat of the King of the South. The King of the South will strike the King of the North. However, we see how they will fail and be defeated by the King of the North. Uh, in Daniel eleven forty to 43 at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. We see here how the counterattack of the king of the north overwhelmed the king of the south. Uh, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. So after the defeat, after the defeat of the king of the south, the king of the north, which is the revived Roman Empire, coming from Europe, will enter the glorious land, which is Jerusalem. So basically, this is this is reminding me of uh, like the the Western influence over Israel. That's what I'm seeing here. So when when the King of the North enters into the holy place, occupying it, um, that is the the period of time here. Not only that, but it will defeat so many nations as we read here. But these shall escape from his hand: Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold, silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. It is more likely that Europe will once again have control over Jerusalem, and this is something that many other nations will not like. So, now this is talking about a future event, but I think, and you know, I'm not trying to take it directly from them. I'm not trying to take their exact take here, but I do think you, you start to see a picture of the end times, which could include a lot of what we're seeing today. And I think right now, basically the West occupies Israel. Is that fair to say? Like they're basically a Western country that's propped up by Western money and Western military. Or is it the other way around? I don't think it is. I mean, like they, you could make an argument that they are like, uh, philosophically and politically in control but I don't think you can make the argument that the Israeli military is like stronger than the U.S. military. Like, oh, certainly no. <clears throat> so I I do think it's some sort of occupation, and you could go both ways with it. We could say that U.S. is occupied by Israeli agents and stuff. All that shit is definitely up yes. for grabs. But the point is, the people that are living there are are not the purely Semitic people that were once there. They're it's this no, is all Western influence. Yeah. They have European, they have Turkic ancestry. Yeah. So let's get into the, the Russian bear. Here's where things start to get more interesting. We are now about to find Russia in the pages of your Bible. We will finally understand where Russia is in Bible prophecy. Remember, the king of the south attacked the king of the north. However, the north prevailed and defeated the south. Uh, now the north occupies Jerusalem. So in Daniel eleven forty four to 45, But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore, therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate him. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Carefully take note here the term the east and the north. Possibly, this can also mean northeast. Because of the great power of the king of the north, inevitably, the news will spread far and wide. A natural reaction is that the rest of the major powers will be alarmed. They will feel threatened. So which countries are we seeing on the map when we talk about the east and north of Israel? No doubt today we see more Muslim countries in the east of Israel. We have Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Kuwait, Qatar, Oman, Bahrain, 
uh, Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the UAE. If we go farther east, we also see India, which would most likely be involved in the conflict. All these will not just feel alarmed, but also incensed as they look at Jerusalem, their third holiest city, conquered by their mortal enemy. Now, if we looked north of Israel, we see more Muslim countries such as Turkey, Syria, and Lebanon. Here's where Russia enters the scene. Look north of Israel. What is the only superpower you see? That's right, it's Russia. So, yeah, now it's it's getting into this. It's getting into a position where, where Russia sees the West's involvement in the Middle East, sees how thin it's stretched, how weak it is, how greedy it is, and takes that as an opportune moment to maybe get theirs. Well, that and also I think the biolabs in Ukraine might have done something to warrant them attacking but so suddenly. That is that is its own sort of greed. Maybe not specifically yeah. monetary greed, though I think that was also a factor, but that is thinking you can get away with fucking anything. Well, I wouldn't build a bioweapons facility in the country of Mexico if I was Russia. <laughs> that's true. That's a, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> So, news from the east and north shall trouble him, therefore he shall go with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. The eastern and northern countries will plan an offensive attack. The king of the north would know about this plan, and thus this news would trouble him. What was the result? The king of the north will attack the northeastern countries, including Russia, with great fury and will destroy and annihilate many. While the king of the north thought that attacking first would be a good idea, in the end, we see how the eastern kingdoms would retaliate. So the second woe of Revelation, Revelation 9.13-19, thir- 9, gives us more details about what will happen during the battle between the king of the north and the eastern kings. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm." What we are reading here is actually modern military weapons. Since the Apostle John didn't yeah. know what these things are, he would simply use the terms to describe them, which I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I think that's definitely a possibility. But when you read all of that stuff, um, you, you have all of these colors, the, the fire, the smoke, and like these strange creatures. Um, I, it feels very esoteric to me. Well, I read... Uh... Or I should say, I watched some videos a time ago, and in them was this experimental psychologist whose uh, name is Alan R. Miller, and he expressed the notion that there's many people in the U.S. government and institutions that would like to have revelation come true, and so they're kind of just going to try and make it happen. Well, that's fucking Zionism. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. 
Yeah. And he said it's kind of dumb in his opinion, but he said they're going to do it anyway because nobody's going to convince them otherwise because they, they really believe in I want the world to end. There was a time that well, even, even those people in government were like referred to as like the crazies, like the neocons and like the, the George W. Bush uh, administration and all of that. There was a time when they didn't have as much power and they were, were referred to as the crazies for like specifically these things for just wanting to start fucking wars. Hmm. So there's That's a time, great. even in politics, politicians would look down on this sort of thing. Now, you know, I've always heard that the, uh, the friggin', it's almost a coat too, with something where, where they'll be like, oh, the world is so awful, I just want Christ to come and take us away. <laughs> I do feel right. like thinking, that. I 100% yes, feel that yes, way. Yes, I do too, but... The, the thing is, too, though, it's also oh. a coat because it's them justifying not wanting to actually get active in their in their community and exactly. people. I don't yeah, think exactly. I don't think that really. Maybe for some people it does, but I, I don't know. I, I think yes. for probably for the majority, I think it probably makes them like more. I don't know exactly what what constitutes being more active, but it makes them more friendlier people to their neighbors, more helpful individuals. The the types of people who go to church are the types of people who are somewhat active yes, in their communities. Oh yes, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking bad about that at all. I'm, I'm a Christian myself. Uh, I'm just saying the, you know, that there's people that do use that as a cope for not like actively doing anything. Like it, they'll also do it with <laughs> politicians where they'll they'll get oh we just we just need another Trump guys. If we get another Trump, everything will be fine, guys. Yeah, that thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's them. I for me, it's like worried, the, but not worried enough. The Bible says that that the the people in power were were ordained to be empowered by God. But mm-hmm. just because it says that, like it, it, more importantly in the Bible is to resist evil. So while it doesn't go, it doesn't say like go and overthrow the government. Like you have every right to resist an an evil government yes. under the rules of Jesus. And that's that's another thing is you know my politics are I just you know I want to be left alone like please don't bring friggin' evil to my area children or my whoever just leave us alone man like if you want like if you want to like turn the world into California well there's California for that like why does why does other places need to look like California that's my thing. Well, it's not very nice there, so I thought I would come over here and yeah. make it a little bit uh, better. Worse. <laughs> so yeah, let's let me. Yeah, uh, let's recently, leave. we had a bunch of wrap this fucking bottle. Bunch of thing. people coming. What you got? Let me know. Talk to me. Yeah, we got a uh, like. We have a bunch of people that come here from California and stuff, and they. Uh, Immediately complain that it's not enough like California, but they came mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and the march of the armies of the Eastern Kingdoms, which include Russia, would lead to the greatest war in history. Uh, today, most people call it the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation sixteen twelve uh, to chapter sixteen. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And they gathered them together in the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. So, it, it's possible that we're looking at here. I I do think we are we are amping up towards 
what's in the Bible referred to as the end times. I don't know exactly what happens. I don't know yeah. if Jesus comes down from the clouds. I don't know what, if, what if a golden age begins at that point. No, no, no. We, we got, we, you want to know what happens? You need to leave the Left Behind series. It's like many, many books, maybe 40 movie. books or more. Is it legit? No. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fiction. Yeah. I know. I know. The yeah. end times. It's fiction. They have microwave guns. So, Kay, do you believe in, in like these cycles of, of ages? Oh, well, time. I, I've, I've smoked drugs, and I'll tell you, there's infinite space and time. You could get outside of it. And it looks like, yeah, there's probably like time loops in time and space but and in infinite time. Well, do you believe in like the yugas of like Hinduism or? I don't even know what those really are. Hmm. It's okay. like Hindu stuff. I'm not, I don't know, man. I got a statue of Lord Shiva. I like, he seems cool. I don't know what yugas are, though. It's like an age. There's like four of them. I don't know. It's like they're... Yeah, I've read the supposedly in got like... in the Agora books. I don't get it. Like Satya Yuga in uh in like the, the Golden Age, basically. People are basically telepathic. They're in touch with spiritual powers. They don't need to no. eat because they're getting all of their energy from like the sun and prana. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. Well, sure. Why not? I mean, it sounds like... Like if you read the Buddhist... Um, and like the Mongolian shaman and the Tibetan Buddhist like uh, origins of the human species, they're basically saying something like that. Yeah, and in my mind, that's alien. what that's what God's kingdom sounds like. Yeah. Often, I I look at the Bible and I see like, all right, so so we die, and then there is a resurrection, and then there's God's kingdom. And to me, that that almost seems like God, like an exoteric interpretation of reincarnation. How, like, you die, you go through a judgment, and then you can come out, you you get reborn, and like you you could be living in heaven in God's kingdom, or it could be hell. You could be born well, fucking blind and deaf, or I don't fucking know. Human traffic. Nike, Nike sneakers. We could go to the alien spaceship how high you can how high planet. you think you can jump with those nikes all the way to fucking saturn depends if we can pump them up or not pump them. Come with <laughs> pump, pump, pump them up fuck yeah all right let's get to the get to the fucking the More topic at hand here wasted like enough here. time on current events i want to make sure i get my russia shit in because it feels like everybody wants russia shit but here I am reading the Speaking Bible. That's what you get. Russia, Russia. Fox Rock broke. Fox Rock broke. Russia. <laughs> What's up with that goddamn Fox Rock? Fucking Killing Stone in Japan. It splits, triggering panic among superstitious believers. Right. Based on the mythology of the Shishoseki or Killing Stone, it is said to contain the transformed corpse of a beautiful woman. Tamamo no May. Okay, you got anything you want to say before How I read this article? Talking about here? She's, hot. Um, She's hot. Well, I I read some of these articles, <laughs> and I gotta say, it's all pretty interesting. Like, you got this character, and she's part of, like, okay, so Japan's got Shinto, and Shinto seems to just, like, eat whatever comes from other countries over time, right? So then... 
they done absorbed all these legends about fox fox spirits, I guess. And they got them from China and India and I guess Korea too. And then it's all become kind of one big fox legend. And then this character that you're describing now, some people say it's the same one as you can find in legends going back and back. So they connect like four different historical fox legend people, including some that were like, there's one or two of these people that was the subject of the subjects of sort of magic cults in China where people believe that this lady or these ladies were some kind of fox demon and you can get some kind of benefit from being part of their cult. I don't know. That's what I read about it there the other night. It's pretty in, it's pretty <laughs> interesting stuff. So after a famous volcanic rock or the so-called killing stone was found split in two in Japan, superstitious believers have taken to social media to share their worries about an evil demon. Based on the mythology of the Shishoseki or killing stone, it is said to contain the transformed corpse of a beautiful woman, Tamamo no Mei. It is believed that the woman was an evil nine-tailed fox in disguise and a part of a feudal landlord's secret plot to kill Emperor Toba, as per the Guardian report. The fox's spirit was then transferred into the stone in Tochigi, near Tokyo. It is believed that the rock was destroyed many years ago, and the spirit was exorcised by a Buddhist monk who later sca scattered pieces of the rock across Japan. However, many people believe that the spirit's home is still on the slopes of the volcano, Mount Nasu. Superstition has it that it would prove fatal to anyone who comes in contact with the stone. Visitors who spotted the split stone shared the story of their terrifying moments online. I came alone to Shishoki, where the legend of the nine-tailed fox remains. The big rock in the middle wrapped around with a rope is that. It was supposed to be. But the rock was split in half and the rope was also detached. If it's a manga, it's a pattern that the seal is broken and it's possessed by the nine-tailed fox. And I feel like I've seen something that shouldn't be seen. So do you think it is like a manga? It's like one of my Japanese porns. I, I gotta say, man, it's, it spooked me. It spooked me because I done had, like I told you, I done had some strange experience with that, right? Like a couple, maybe last year or the year before, I found like that picture I showed you of uh, that fox. Uh, so in Japan, they got different shrines with foxes and stuff, right? And True. Then they got this one. Yeah. They got this one. Kitsune uh, is that how you say that? The fox spirit. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Kitsune Shape shifting fox wench. Yeah. So they got one, and she's supposed to be some kind of incarnation of a Buddha, or some, or the servant of a Buddha. I'm not 100 percent on that one. And so she got that sword like Fudo Mio, you know, the immovable wisdom king. And then she got like a wish fulfilling jewel. And she sits on a fox, and she's like some kind of fox spirit thingy. So Midwest Vikinger in the chat asks, would they be classified as a cryptid or a demon? Now, I would want to call a fucking kitsune a yokai, but that's probably not right either. Is it? It's, it's some it, sort of animistic spirit thing? It's a, it's a kami for sure. Kami. Because in Japan, all everything okay. is a deity. Like the earth and the rocks and the trees and the things that live inside them. Do you know what, what makes a yokai a yokai? What's a yokai? No, I think it's like a spooky creature, spooky like spooky dooky. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I, I think Kitsune probably falls in the category of yokai. 
Yeah, they're probably yokai. Scar asks, isn't this yeah, nine-tailed probably. fox some shit at Naruto? Also, there's that nine-tails Pokemon. Yeah, it'd definitely be <laughs> one of my one of my Chinese cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also very similar to a skinwalker. It's extremely similar. Yeah, you know what it kind of is. Well, because it, it's it's this trickster, um, like scavenger canine l- fucking Coyote. spirit. Yeah, it's the same thing that transforms into like a beautiful woman to and go play tricks. A ca- what do you mean a a, 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 capricious, a capricious vixen that controls space and time and changes things and one thing into another and 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 tries to consume you? God, I hate women. What I want to know is how did they get the rock in the first place? How did they get it in the rock? That is a good question. I, there is a story that I a story I once read, just some fucking green text, about some Anon saying that when he was a kid there was a disembodied voice that would like talk to him and play with him while he was out like in the schoolyard. Like you wouldn't play with other kids. He would just have this disembodied voice. And then one day the the disembodied voice told him to get a rock and like fucking paint some sigil on it to make him a home. And then he did and then he never heard this voice again. So, you know, you'd think because it found its home in the rock, it went into the rock. Because that's yeah. where it lives. Yeah. So I don't know how that exactly applies to this, but we're going to see that that is a, a common motif. That's something that you hear in many different cultures, in many different times. So let's go over Tamamo no Mei. Meaning Lady Duckweed. One of the most famous kitsune in Japanese mythology, a nine-tailed magical fox. She is also one of the most powerful yokai. Yokai. It's a yokai. Confirmed. Yokai confirmed? game. The most powerful yokai that has ever lived. Her magical abilities were matched only by her, her trickiness and lust for power. Tamamo no Mei lived during the Heian, I don't know how to say this shit, I'm just guessing, Heian period, and though she may not have succeeded in her plan to kill the emperor and take his place, her actions destabilized the country and led it towards one of the most important civil wars in Japanese history. For that reason, wow. Tamamo no Mei is considered one of the Nihon San Dai Aku yokai, the three terrible yokai of Japan, alongside Shuten Doji and Otakemaru. Otakemaru. So Tamamo no Mei was born some 3,500 years ago in what is now China. Her early life is a mystery, but she eventually became a powerful sorceress. After hundreds of uh, more years, she became a white-faced, golden-furred Kayubi. Kayubi no Kitsune. A nine-tailed fox with supreme magical power. In addition, she was an expert at manipulation. She used her charms and wit to advance her standing and influence world affairs. So the da- oh God, how do I say this shit? Daji in the Shang Dynasty in China. During the Shang Dynasty, Tamamo no Mei was known as Daji. She, dis- she disguised herself as a beautiful woman and became the favorite concubine of King Zhao of Shang. Daji was a model of human depravity. She held orgies in the palace gardens. Her fondness for watching and inventing new forms of torture are legendary. Daji eventually brought about the fall of the entire Shang dynasty. She managed to escape execution and fled to the Magadha kingdom in India in 1046 BCE. That's where Buddha lived. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Yeah. Top 10 anime crossovers happening right now. Lady Kayo in India. In Magadha, she was known as Lady Kayo and became a consort of King Kalmashapada. 
known in Japan as Hanzoku. She used her beauty and charms to dominate the king, causing him to devour children, murder priests, and commit other unspeakable horrors. Eventually, whether because she ran out of children to eat or because Kalma Shapata began to turn away from her and towards Buddhism, she fled back to China. Huh. Once again, the Buddhist connection. It was Buddha that saves the day. He fucking... He got this this disgusting bitch away from the base king, Kalma Shapata, and got him on the path of MGTOW. Baozi in the Zhou dynasty. Zhou dynasty. How do I say that? You know? Okay. Zhou? I don't know. During the Zhou dynasty, she called herself Baozi and was known as one of the most desirable women in all of China. In 779 BCE, she became a concubine of King Yu. Not satisfied as just a mistress, she manipulated the king into deposing his wife, Queen Shen, and making Bao Si his new queen. Though she was beautiful, Bao Si rarely ever smiled. In order to please his beautiful new wife, King Yu committed acts of such evil and atrocity that eventually all of his nobles abandoned and betrayed him. Eventually, King Yu was killed and Bao Si captured and... Baozi was captured, and the Western Zhou dynasty was brought to an end in 771 BCE. Somehow Baozi managed to escape again. She went into hiding for many years. Little is known of her activities until the 700s, when she resurfaced disguised as a 16-year-old girl named Wakamo. Wakamo. She tricked the elders of the 10th Japanese envoy to the Tang dynasty, Kibi no Makibi, Abe no Nakamaro, and Kanji, God, shoot me now. And they were preparing to return home to Japan. Uh, as they were preparing to return home, she fucking got them. She tricked them. Wakamo joined their crew and took the ship to Japan, where she hid herself away for over 300 years. What did she do? She just punked them? Doesn't even say. She tricked the leaders. Whatever. Exploits in Japan. In the... 1090s, she resurfaced once again. This time, she transformed herself into a human baby and hid by the side of the road. A married couple found the baby and rescued it, taking her in as their daughter and naming her Mikuzim, Mikuzume, Mikuzume. She proved to That's be... That's kind of interesting. Go on. Changeling. It sounds a lot like Irish uh, or Celtic folklore with changelings. Yeah. Where... One of the fey things abducts a child and replaces it with like a fey child. Yokai. The, the parents continue to raise. Yokai are very similar to fey uh, in a lot of ways. In these like trickster aspects, um, you know, all that stuff is there. But then it's like in their origins as like nature spirits. Like that's very common in both of them as well. That's interesting. So a married couple found the baby and rescued it, taking taking it, taking her in as their daughter and naming her Mikuzume. She proved to be an exceedingly intelligent, talented young girl and was so beautiful that she attracted the attention of everyone around her. When she was seven years old, Mikuzume recited poetry before the emperor. His imperial majesty immediately took a liking to her and employed her as the servant in the court. Mikuzume excelled at court, absorbing knowledge like a sponge. There was no question that she could not answer, whether it was about music, history, astronomy, religion, or Chinese classics. Her clothes were always clean and unwrinkled. She always smelled pleasant. Mikuzume had the most beautiful face in all of Japan, and everyone who saw her loved her. 
During the summer of her 18th year, a poetry and instrument recital was held in Makuzume's honor. During the recital, an unexpected storm fell upon the palace. All of the candles in the recital room were snuffed, leaving the participants in the dark. Suddenly, a bright light emanated from Makuzume's body, uh, illuminating the room. Everybody at court was so impressed by her genius and declared that she must have had an exceedingly good and holy previous life. She was given the name Tamamo no Mei. Emperor Toba, already exceedingly fond of her, made her his consort. Almost immediately after she, she became the emperor's consort, the emperor fell deathly ill. None of the court physicians could determine the cause, and so the Anmyoji, the Anmyoji Abe no Yasunari was called in. Abe no, Abe no Yasunari read the emperor's fortune and divined that he was marked by a bad omen. After that, the highest priests and monks were summoned to the palace to pray for the emperor's health. The best prayers of the high priests had no effect, however. The emperor continued to grow worse. Abe no Yasunari was summoned again to read the emperor's fortune. This time, to his, his horror, the Anmyoji discovered that the emperor's beloved Tamamo no Mei was the cause of his illness. She was a kitsune in disguise and was shortening the emperor's lifespan in order to take over as ruler of Japan. Emperor Toba was reluctant to believe the diviner's words, but agreed to Tamamo no Mei just to be sure. Uh, to save the emperor's life, Abe no Yasunari prepared the Taizan Fukun no Sai, the most secret and most powerful spell known to Anmyodo. Maybe, maybe that's how you say it. Tamamo no Mei was ordered to perform part of the ritual. They reasoned that an evil spirit would not be able to participate in such a holy ritual. Though she was reluctant to participate, the emperor's ministers persuaded her. They told her that it would increase her standing and admiration among the court. She had little choice but to accept. When the ritual was performed, Tamamo no Mei dressed even more beautifully than normal. She recited the holy word, the holy words as expected and played her part extremely well. But just as she prepared to wave the ceremonial staff, she vanished. Abe no Yasunari's divination was confirmed. The court flew into an uproar. <clears throat> Need a little bit of water. Then I'll read the death of the Kitsune. Kill the bitch. Kill the witch. Burn her. I know. She sounds kind of hot. Soon after. Uh, you know, she's just trying to take her away, Go on. Uh, I was going to say, you wonder about the, the connection with like the jinn from Islam and stuff, where you get the uh, wonder if water does anything to these creatures. Maybe. I'd be very interested. I'd like to look into that more about like water's interaction with like fey and with yokai. And, you know, there's lots of yokai that live in water. So, Kappa. Yeah, I, exactly. I, like milk. I don't know how true that is. Never know. Never know until you try it. Yeah, I was reading... Uh, I was reading a green text. It could have been like a load of shit, but it said uh, this dude had bought a house in Oregon near a boulder field. And he brought his like two-year-old son and wife there. Whatever. And his son started telling him later on that there was a, another a kid in the house. And he was like, well, that's weird. You know, there's no one else here. And he heard his kid talking to someone. And then all of a sudden his kid tells him his new friend loves milk and dates. And like this is a three-year-old kid, he doesn't know what date is. Yeah. And uh, so he gets fucking weirded out, and then he finds a, a hanger like fucking floating in the closet. It's not connected to anything; it's just floating there. 
And at this point, that's all he said in Hatton was weird so far, but he didn't like living in the house. But a lot of people in the comments are saying that's like fae related and shit with the milk and the dates. And yeah, I, I don't believe in ghosts. So yeah, you got it. For me, I always wind up attributing that to like some beings on some other plane. I don't know if that means demons or fae, or if they're the same you, thing. You know, means... in, in Slavic, in Slavic folklore, they have a, I think it's a dumb, dumb, dumber Domovoy, 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 yes, Domovoy, yes, Domovoy. They have the Domovoy, and those are because Dom is home in a lot of Slavic languages. But uh, and they live in the house, and if you're like a fucking dirty, and you don't keep your house clean, they'll. Uh, They'll get pissed off and they'll set your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, punked again. <laughs> Soon after, word arrived that women and children were disappearing near Nas Nasuno in Shimotsuke province. Disappearances, huh? Here we go. <clears throat> the court sorcerers determined that Tamamo no Mei was the cause, and it was decided that she must be destroyed once and for all. The emperor summoned the best warriors in all the land and then charged the most superb of them. Kazu Sanosuke and uh, <laughs> I can't say these words Miranosuke to find Tamamo no Mei. The warriors gladly accepted the honor. They purified themselves and set out with an army of 80,000 men to slay the nine-tailed Kitsune. Upon oh. reaching Nasuno, the army quickly found the Kitsune. The warriors chased her for days and days, but the fox used her magical powers and outsmarted them time and time again, easily escaping. The army grew weary and frustration set in. It seemed that nothing they did was working. However, Kazusanosuke and Miranosuke would not accept the, same, the shame of defeat and vowed to press on. They practiced harder, owning, honing their tactics, and eventually picked up the Kitsune's trail. One night... One of them had a prophetic dream. A beautiful young girl appeared before him, crying. She begged, Tomorrow I will lose my life to you. Please save me. They adamantly refused, and upon waking, the warriors set out again to find Tamamo no Mei. Sure enough, the next day they caught her. Miranosuke fired two arrows, one of them through the fox's flank and one through its neck. Kazusanosuke swung his blade. It was over, just as the dream had said. However, Tamamo no Mei's evil did not end with her death. One year after she died, Emperor Kono died airless. The following year, her lover and former Emperor Toba died as well. A succession crisis ignited between forces loyal to Emperor Go Shirakawa and forces loyal to the former Emperor Sutoku. This crisis started the Fujiwara-Minamoto rivalry that led to the Genpei War, the end of the Hain period, and the rise of the first shoguns. As if that were not enough, Tamamo no Mei's spirit haunted a massive boulder, which killed every living thing that touched it. And there we wow. end with the, the boulder. Once again, the spirits in the rocks, <clears throat> the boulder fields. The and now, notice this is people going missing. Uh, so you go out and, and you hunt the creature, at which point it basically, it seems you can't kill it. It retreats into a boulder as if that's where it lives. It's a, a recurring theme here. So anyway, do you guys realize that giant spiders are expected to drop from the sky across the east coast this spring? The Joro spider from yes. fucking Japan? Is this, be fucking is this part of some fucking trickster spirits? Uh, I don't know. It's the the game's the same. Welcome our new arachnid 
is this because of Tamamo, do you think? It could be related. Maybe. She could be sending us spiders with her three. So, okay, you got three options here. You can either have uh, viral apocalypse, you can have nuclear apocalypse, or spooky spoder apocalypse. Spooky spoder. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one every time. All right. They probably so, they probably bring like computer science. To... Computer science degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's move. We'll we'll fucking do a pivot here, and we will go into other other beings living in the boulders. Maybe maybe some other folklore too. So elves like humans. They are like us. So there are Icelandic yeah. elves that are known as the Hidden People. They're pretty much the same size as humans and live in a parallel world similar to ours. They carry on normal lives alongside us that include fishing, farming, and raising families. They even go to church on Sundays. They can help humans in trouble, but they can also cause mischief and injury to those who disrespect them. One theory about how the elves came to be relates back to Adam and Eve. When God came to visit, Eve was ashamed of some of her children, who hadn't had time to wash, so she hid them away. Upon discovering them, God declared that what man had hidden from God, God would hide from man. Thus the fairies came into being, only visible to a few gifted people. A 2007 survey by the University of Iceland found that while only 8% of respondents were certain that elves existed, over 80% refused to deny that they exist. And 62% believed that the existence of these beings was more, more than just a fairy tale. So these these folkloric stories are very alive in Iceland, probably much the same way they are in Japan. So now we have the rock that housed an elf church. Nowhere is the depth of belief more evident to the rest of the world than in the construction industry. One incident in particular made headlines outside of Iceland. Just north of... <laughs> Once again, fucking let me just pronounce this shit real quick. What? Here, I'll, I'll tell you. Is it Reykjavik? It is. That's exactly what it is. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. That's how it's said. Reykjavik. There stands a rock known as... <laughs> oh, good luck. Uh, when... when Afegiskirjira... I don't know. I can't say these words. How do you put a fucking... How do you put an R, a K, a J... An R, a K, and a J all back-to-back like that? You can't do that. When, <laughs> when plans are being made to build a road that would destroy the rock and cut through surrounding lava fields, protesters came forward and the project ground to a halt. The ongoing dispute was covered in British newspaper The Guardian in two articles, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, group the group Friends of Lava protested that there would be damage to the rocks of the lava field that they were joined by something who claimed elves had spoken to her and warned her that they had a church inside of that fucking rock or whatever so yeah now you have this fucking protest group coming and they're stopping fucking construction the destruction of the the natural land and they're saying you can't fuck up this this uh forest this fucking boulder field is whatever it is because this is where the elves live and that's their church this is so much more yeah. based than protests, uh, you know, in America. Come on. I'm going to pull down that sure. statue because it reminds me of racism. How about this? Uh, we have to go to the Capitol building and drag all of the politicians out by their hair because that land 
is where elves go to church. That's right. I don't think anybody's Irish enough for that. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know how any of this works. I want to read more of this, but since I can't pronounce any of it, I'm just about to give up. Thanks to this person, communication with the hidden people, a compromise was reached. The elves moved their altar and pews out of the rock, and the construction workers were able to move the obstacle out of their way and continue with the road. So that's how this ended. That's very fucking strange. Um, what the hell kind of person can can tell the elves to move? Just move from your house? Maybe this is all well, a I guess they all went and stood outside the rock and were like, uh, hi, elves, um, please move your shit out of your church so we can move your church out of our way so we can build our whatever, so you can, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess, I guess. I, I don't know. Sure. Maybe they brought some, some, some bread and milk and dates. So we got, we got Trey in the fucking chat. Fuck yeah, time to smoke weed and listen to Uncle Yak's schizo stream. Fuck yeah, <laughs> fucking A. Mm. Archandre is saying that the elf church is the church of Satan. I think that's what he's saying. Asterio says, why would elves go to church? They would be burnt instantly. we got a lot of fucking elves or demons people in the chat. I don't blame you. Well, you know, there is one rule around elves. So, the one rule is, around elves, you got to watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So, yeah, now we've firmly established... That these beings, whatever they are, are living in the rocks. Now we can go on and connect that to Missing 411, I think. Because that, that's a favorite from David Pallades, always saying that uh, the boulder fields are a, a very important part of these missing people stories. That and uh, like people collecting berries, as if that has a similar sort of thing. People just disappearing mm-hmm. into the berry bushes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me go to... Uh, sure, it's weird. Yeah. Let's hit oh, up that stories of it. The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries by W. Yes. Y. Evans Wentz. Now, this is like like the authoritative book on the Fey folk. It was published in 1910, uh, so a century before David Pilates. People tend to disappear near boulder fields. It says fairy yes. preserves. A heap of stones in a field should not be disturbed. Though needed for building, especially if they are part of an ancient tumulus, the fairies are said to live inside the pile, and to move the stones would be most unfortunate. And I'm pretty sure most unfortunate here means dead. You die. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I mean, where I live, we got Irish people, and we got. Uh, we know from the Native American peoples that they do not like the areas that the Irish people say the fairies live in. And. Yeah, uh, Irish people say the fairies live in these places with these big old rocks, and the Native American people say they do not like that place because it got like a weirdo thing that'll kidnap you. Yeah, and yep. we yeah, and and the people here that is Irish, they will tell you that you don't go out in that area alone by yourself to pick berries. You don't do that. Yep. So to continue, it says where fairies live. When I asked Patsy where the fairies live, he turned half around and pointing in the direction of the Dune Angus, which was full in view of the sharp skyline of Aranamore, said that there, in large tumulus on the hillside below it, they had one of their favorite abodes, but he added, the rocks are full of them, and they are small fellows. The little people hiding in the rocks. 
So people tend to disappear near berry bushes. I'm continuing with uh, the same book here. A girl recovered from fairy one day just before sunset in midsummer. And I, a boy then, my brother and cousin and myself were gathering bilberries, or wortleberries, <clears throat> up by the rocks at the back of here, when all at once we heard music. We hurried round the rocks, and there were within a few hundred, a th- few hundred feet of six or eight of the gentle folk, and they dancing. When they saw us, a little woman dressed in all red came running out from them toward us, and she struck my cousin across the face with which with what seemed to be a green rush. We ran for home as hard as we could, and when my cousin reached the house, she fell dead. Father saddled a horse and went for Father Ryan. When Father Ryan arrived, he put a stole about his neck and began praying over my cousin and reading palms and striking her with the stole, and in that way brought her back. He said if she had not caught caught hold of my brother, she would have been taken forever. So we were told as children that as soon as night fell, the fairies from Roth Ringlestown would form in a procession across Tara Road, pass round certain bushes which have not been disturbed for ages, and join the Gankina, or host of industrious folk, the Red Fairies. We were afraid, and our nurses always brought us home before the advent of the fairy procession. One of the passes used by this procession happened to be between two mudwall houses, and it is said that a man went out of one of these houses at the wrong time, for when... For when found, he was dead. The fairies had taken him because he interfered with their procession. And it says, After the 31st of October, or after Halloween, the blackberries are not fit to eat, for the pixies have been over them. So Yeah, I've heard that too, y'all. That's with, like, Scottish and Irish now, folklore. Now, this seems to be saying... Like, it's almost saying, like, when you were taken... Like, you you physically die. I don't know if it's trying to say that you are, like, enslaved in another realm or something like that. I'm almost getting that sort of thing from it. Yeah. So now, here was the story of, um... that It was talking about how, like, by the berry bushes, music was heard before the encounter with the fairies. And that's not the first time I saw that, either. Let's see if I can pull this up in a timely manner. So, here we have an encounter with, uh... I don't know what this is, a counter with rocks. This woman, reporting the encounter, was a teacher at a college, and for purposes of this narrative, went by the pseudonym Dr. Jean Smith. She and her husband were camping in Arizona, and hiked into the mountains where nothing was to be heard except for the occasional call of birds. I was standing in front of a wall of granite boulders of all shapes and sizes, when all of a sudden I heard the most beautiful singing I have ever heard. There were no words, but the joyous music just kept on. I stood there rooted to the spot, entranced, hardly danced, hardly daring, literally, to believe my ears. The music came from the boulders. I looked around, and as, as I did, it was as if I became a truly genuine part of the universe. I had the wonderful feeling of sharing or being shared with. It was as if the sky above and the clouds, the breeze, the bushes, everything realized I could participate. I felt somehow as if, as if I really belonged. All the restlessness in me was stilled, and I was filled with a glorious sense of peace and love. Gradually, the other occupants of the universe became aware that this stranger, I, was becoming part of the experience. They, sky, clouds, rocks, desert, bushes, moved over, as it were, and gave me a place among them. She is aware, she knows, seemed the communication, and I was humbly grateful for this quiet acceptance. They kind of moved over and let me in joyously, as if happy to have me. All the while, the beautiful voices singing from the boulders kept on. 
I really can't find the right words. No words can truly relate the wonder and joy of that time. The music, the singing kept on. She went on to feel the possibilities that we humans could indeed get our acts together simply because other, these others can. And this is like another fucking uh, alien contact story. This is like the demons contact you to try to fucking like indoctrinate you into whatever they want you to believe to go like pass their message. Hmm. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Once again, you have the singing near the boulder fields or near the berries. And I've heard plenty of stories about, like, music out in the wilderness drawing people out, leading them further and further out into the middle of nowhere, totally lost. And and lots, too. Like, there's that one missing 411 thing where the the guy was a firefighter with his son, and they were bird hunting, and they got lost. And he saw headlights, what he thought were headlights, up in the distance. And he would chase after them, thinking he could get help for his son, because his son had like a broke ankle. And he uh, chased them and chased them. And every time he'd get like within 10 yards of them, they would take off another like 20. And he eventually gave up and turned around. And he came back to his son. His son was like off the edge of a cliff, dead. Somehow, despite having a broken ankle. Yeah. So, and I think if, if we're comparing Faye to, like, Jin in particular, then they have free will. They can either be, like, helpful or evil or some mix of the two. They're like us, like humans. I don't know if the same can be said. The same could probably be said for many yokai. I don't know about Kami. I don't know about the hierarchy of the spirits or whatever. But it mm-hmm. seems to me that they could probably be good or evil. Am I right? right? Seems that well, way. Yes. I would agree. But I kind of think the uh, the djinn like to tell people they're good and then give them raw deals. Well, and... that's humans, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you wished for a million dollars? Well, here's a million dollars, but the catch is it came out of someone else's bank account and the police are coming after Dude, you. Dude, it's the monkey's paw all yeah. over again. Yeah. Yeah. So I found this story. Now we're getting into full missing 411 territory. I went missing in the Grand Teton National Park for three hours and have no memory of it. He Ooh. says, after recently watching watching videos from the Can-Am Missing Project, David Politi's thing, I want to talk about what happened to me when I was 15 years old. I'm from the Midwest. We went to the Grand Tetons for a climbing trip. I had four years of experience climbing, mostly sport and trad. I don't know what that means exactly. It's totally trad. My group consisted of my father, who had an, oh, equal, an equal amount of climbing experience, and three others, who had at least eight or more years each individually. All of us were experienced with hiking and backpacking. What we were doing that day was not mountaineering or multi-pitch climbs, just quick, easy climbs. We park in the parking lot, get to the boat, boat shuttles us across the lake, then, then it's a quick hike to the areas that we're going to be in. It's been a while, but the distance from the dock to the area that we were going going to be at had to be under a mile, if not half a mile walking distance. That day, it was just me, my father, and one other from our group. We were there sometime in late summer. We get to our area, do our climb, start heading back to the dock, and that's where my story starts. It was late afternoon when we started walking back. If I had to guess, the time was between 3 and 5 p.m. My single father had been hitting on the female from our group we went with that day, the whole day. Me being 15 and not wanting to be around that, decided to walk ahead of the two of them and get to the dock as soon as possible. On me, I had my personal climbing gear and one of the 200-foot ropes. My dad was carrying 200-foot ropes. 
My dad was carrying the bulk of, ge- of the gear placement and other run of ropes. The chick had her personal gear and a day pack. Again, we're not so far off from the transportation or people, so we didn't need a lot uh, outside of our climbing stuff. I stress this because we were not deep in the woods or some area that you would assume it would be easy to go missing in. Our goal area was very close to the docks and we were on trails the whole time. So I'm power walking away from them and I say I'll meet them at the boat. I'm doing this maybe not even 15 minutes. I can't remember exactly how long, but it wasn't long after after that it happened. I'm on the trail, but then I'm not on the trail. The trail is well defined. You can clearly see where you're supposed to go and where to walk. I'm on the trail. I'm walking. Next thing, I'm not. I'm on a large, flat rock, standing. The rope I was carrying isn't done up proper. It's a mess. I'm still holding it, but it's like a power cord that's all tangled up. First thing I'm I'm thinking is how could I have been so stupid to leave the trail? I kept thinking, what the fuck did you do? What the fuck did you do? I looked around. The rock I was on was flat, one flat solid piece, probably 30 to 40 foot in length, with and flowed into the earth. Sparse trees and vegetation surrounded three sides of the rock. Steep cliff hill on one side facing the lake. No trail in sight, but I could see the lake. I was very close to it. I started yelling hello. I did this maybe three or four times. Then a woman answered back. She was maybe 15 to 20 yards behind me on the trail. I went to her. She asked how long I had been lost. I told her 10 minutes. Though I didn't know, that's what it felt like. I thanked her and made my way back to the boat. I get to the boat. My dad and the chick from our group are there. They're talking to people in the dock. They were about to call search and rescue. They told me I had been gone for almost three hours. I told them it's only been like 15 minutes, but they were all adamant and worried, saying it was three hours. The sun was low, getting darker. I have no memory of that time. I was walking on the trail, then I wasn't. Then I was on the rock. I remember absolutely nothing about walking off the trail. It felt like I'd lost no time at all. That the walk back to the boat was the amount of time it should have taken. Besides what felt like 10 minutes of becoming aware of being on the rock, calling for help, and the amount of time of hurrying back to the boat. This experience always stuck with me. And then that week he discovered David Pilates changed his life as it does. You know, and the thing about that is what's, what's weird about that. It's either there's, there's two things that could, it could be. It's either something is grabbing people like a UFO or fucking or something like the Faye that can like either knock them out where they don't realize the time has gone by like that or can just alter the time if it's like the Faye. And then it's taking them doing whatever it wants with, which I guess with like a UFO, they'd be taking genetic samples or some shit. And then it's, uh, or the fade, or I don't know, they're taking maybe hair or something, something they can do with. I don't know how that would work. Gotta get that hair. And then they're, yeah, and then they're fucking just leaving them wherever they think, oh, they'll get back to civilization from here. I'll just put them here on this big flat. Yeah. I mean, that's, Yeah. And so we're back to the goddamn rocks again. Stay away from those rocks, folks. Don't be fucking around with those (laughs) rocks. Here we have a a Welsh fairy tale. A girl who who was a maid to an elderly couple. The maid went away with the fairies. She always used to hear the mysterious singing and used to leave gifts of food for the fairies and find and dance with them by the river. But the fairy king fell in love with her and took away took her away into the rock face. Once again, we're heading into those rocks. The rock face was open for fairies, even though it was closed for people. They had magic to make it open for the girl. 
She lived in rags in a cave with her baby, but she wasn't aware of it because she was seeing fairy enchantment, not the human world. She was seeing the fairy world. Her employer got a knock on the door on a stormy night, and a little dwarf man said he needed the old lady to help teach the girl how to care for the baby. So he took her on a silver horse into the rock face, and when she saw the girl in the dank cave, she thought it was madness. But she saw the girl rubbing ointment in her baby's eyes, so she sneaked a bit on one eye and could see the cave become a beautiful enchanted palace. And the girl was dressed in amazing royal clothes. So the old lady kept her promise and showed the girl how to care for a young baby. Then the king delivered the old lady home with gold for reward. But the old lady didn't tell she could see fairies in one eye until there was a bazaar in the, in the county. She saw all the fairy people came and she saw the king and queen and said hello to them. And the fairy king got angry and said, how can you see me? And when she said this eye... He blew on it, and all the fairies disappeared, and she never saw them again. So, you guys think that this, these these fairies are working for Mossad and taking people into the deep underground military bases? Okay, I've returned. I, I had to cram my face with food and delicious, and delicious. Yeah, Havelock says in in the part of the country I live. Uh, we used to believe in the tiny people up to about 1900, mostly the old and children. Uh, then, then though, apparently not most adults. Archandre says human labels and classifications for God knows what. I always hated those things, those classifications, those lines in the sand. I'll break them every time. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, Polak, you got any missing 411 stories you want to bring up? Uh, yeah, hang on. Let me pull up the, uh, let me get off, uh, friggin' Vidya games here, and, uh, I'll pull up the ones I posted in the, in the, uh, tape eaters. One second. Oh, I got, I got some ready to go. I was just hoping I could stall oh. so that I didn't have to read immediately. <laughs> oh, I got them ready. Yeah, here they are. They're up. Based. So, uh, the one I wanted to talk about first was one that was in... New Mexico, and this one was strange because, if I remember right, like the way police, because I watched the uh, the fucking the missing four one one hunters. Uh, he has a he has it up on his YouTube channel. You can watch it for free with ads. So it's it's a pretty good watch. Right? I but fucking I mean, hate that there's movie. A little, <laughs> it's a I don't know. I enjoyed it. My but, here's my issue. I I it was just poorly fucking made. Because by the end of that yeah, movie, when I mean, you're supposed to be thinking, like, wow, something weird's going on, I'm sitting here thinking, man, that family mm. killed their kid. <laughs> and it kind of proved yeah, that point. No, that That's was, not what that they were aiming for. That was for. the first one. That was the first one. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the second one. He made another. Okay. He made another that was way better. Yes. The set, yeah, I agree. The family killed their freaking kid, probably. But the second one was really weird. He brought up the, the interview with the dude, and they said... Uh, his family. Ah, oh, here it is. Okay, so he said the uh, the guy was. Ah, oh, here we go. All right, so the guy was uh, Stanley Vigil. He was fifty four years old. Uh, he was found. His body was found in the Pecos River. Uh, so. When, when, when did this happen? This happened uh, April 9th, 2018. So, 
body of Stanley Vigil 54 was found about 2 p.m. by an off-duty state police officer who was fishing near the village of San Jose, San Miguel County. State Police Spokeswoman Lieutenant Elizabeth Armio said investigators transported the body to Albuquerque for autopsy. And this is what they said happened to him. They said uh, he they'd been deer hunting and they were like, I guess, driving and looking for deer. And the thing with that is that might be illegal. I don't know. We're, in my state, you can't shoot deer out of a vehicle or like try to find them with a vehicle. But mm. might be different there. But they saw deer and he jumped out of the vehicle with his rifle or whatever and started making his way towards the deer to get a shot at him. And his dad, like, okay, I'll sit here. He'll shoot the deer and he'll come back. Because his dad's like this old 70-year-old man, I guess. Uh, you know, this dude's in his 50s. No, it was his brother. I'm sorry. His brother was That's Okay, so that makes more sense. Uh, he said he never heard a shot, and the dude never came back. So he got concerned, and he called. Uh, after like three hours, he called the park service, and they started looking for him. They couldn't find him. And then on the other side of the park, uh, one of the there was a gas station. And the, the manager there said, oh, yeah, that dude came in here like 20 minutes ago. And he was panicking and telling us there were people chasing him in the park. And he was trying to get away from these people. And um, then he supposedly got back off into the, the woods and ended up dead in the Pecos River. And... That's what's weird. And they also found a, a campsite that said near the river. So apparently he was he had set up a camp, but he, he didn't have any camping supplies, they said, on when he ran off. So that's really weird. Where did he find the camping supplies? Yeah, this is and another story. We've heard multiple stories about people saying that they're chased. People go missing in the woods. They say they're yes. chased. Nobody fucking believes them. They just call them a schizo and tells them to fuck off. And they end up dead. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that was the, the first one that I thought was, and then there was this other one that was, that was really friggin' strange. Uh, and this one's not even hunters. So this one kind of is a missing one, but it's more urban ones. Uh, this dude, uh, what was his name? Uh, friggin' uh, well, fucking. I'm pulling it up. Is it Mitchell a, Dale Stelling, or is that a different one? That's the one I No, no, there. no, it's the other guy. Dwight Clark and Blair Granderstrom. Strum, Glanderstrom. Uh, this dude was, uh, one of them was a college kid at a local university. This was in uh, Washington. Bellingham, Washington. And he was a uh, college student or whatever, and he went to a party one whatever, and they said he had, didn't drink that much. He had three beers. And then he had smoked like a little bit of weed. He said he took like a couple of hits off a bomb, and that was it. And he was like a stoner, so like it wouldn't have affected him, you know, in a bad yeah. way. Or made him, yeah, so he's used to it. So then he decided he was going to go back home, and the next day he had like final exams or whatever, college. Well, the first thing that goes wrong is he doesn't show up for the final exams. So no one thinks anything of it. And then those parents can't contact him. No one can contact him. This happened in... Uh, what year was this? Uh, hang on. Was the, this the guy who fucking left the, the cell phone messages? 
No, no, this one's worse than that. This one I found really disturbing because of how, how did he get into this place. But, uh, okay, I want to say it's 2007. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think 2007. But he ended up uh, going, walking home that night. They caught him on video. And for whatever reason, he was jogging in like the opposite direction of where he should have been going. Like almost like something was chasing him on the video. And that's the only evidence they had. They couldn't find him for like, said two or three weeks. And they finally started looking in the whole area, like into the ocean. Did he fall into the ocean? Maybe that's what happened, even though he was nowhere, he should have not been nowhere near the ocean. And they look at this old abandoned uh, Georgia Pacific chemical plant that had been closed since like 1990. And it had razor wire fences. It, the fences went into the ocean. So there's no real way to like get around the perimeter without getting all cut up. And it said it had two layers of security. The building was locked and the gates were locked. And somehow he got into this place and was drowned in like the chemical treatment pool. And they like found his body just like in this place. It's locked up. And that one was fucking weird because like why was he even in that area? Like what chased him to... What forced him to go the opposite way he should have? Yeah, I. What's that called? A, a um, compelling force. A yeah. That's from Something the the like love past incident. Like they could never figure out what went yeah. wrong there, so they called it like a, a compelling force caused all this chaos to happen. That's how it seems. But you know what's weird too? Because a dude back in 1998, uh, Blair Grandstrom did the same thing and died the same way in the same chemical pool. That's bizarre. That's definitely bizarre. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the he story. Was also a college student. At the it's a serial school. killing. That's just a serial killing. But how are they getting the fucking plant where it's locked up? and? Oh, we don't know. Survived. Inside job. Somebody's clever. Maybe, but even if that's the case, it's still fucking scary. There's like serial killers targeting college students oh, for no yeah. reason, like everywhere. Yep. One of my favorites is a story of another college student who, who got like mildly mm-hmm. inebriated, but it wasn't a big deal. And they went to go home. Next thing you know, it's like the morning. They never arrived. And their mom has like uh, voicemails on her phone of like, of them being like panicked and like begging for help, yeah, but the yeah, situation's not clear. And then they're found like they had drowned in like six inches of fucking water, like in a drainage yeah. ditch somewhere. And that's the like, there's no yeah, like other indications. In and then there was the there was the uh, the black dude that was a politician in Minnesota that this happened to, and this one was really freaking too. He was on the phone with his wife, and. Uh, all of a sudden, she heard like wind pick up really bad in his life. And then she heard him say, no, please get away from me. No, get away from me. I don't want you near me. Get away. And then the phone cuts off. And then uh, she panics and calls the police or whatever. And they go look for him. He was supposed to be at a club. And he was going to leave the club or whatever. Go to a gas station and go home. And uh, they show him show up at the gas station, and then he just walks off from this gas station. No reason why. He walks off into this wooded area behind it, and then just disappears. And they couldn't find him on camera or anywhere. And that turns out, three miles down the road, he's dead 
in the middle of this friggin' pond on an island in the middle of this pond where there's no water and there's water all around it, yet there's no mud on his shoes or his socks. Yeah. Like something picked him up, carried him, and they said the cause of death was like his head was constricted. Like he was suffocated, but like something wrapped him up or something. Yeah, it's a common like it thing. Like he was beat over the head. Yeah. Another thing is uh, stories of like kids going missing and then be fe- being found on like a little island in like a swamp where like they couldn't have gotten there without getting wet, yet they're totally dry sitting on this one dry island of the swamp. And that's where they're found and rescued by people who get all sorts of wet trying to rescue them. And then they say, and then the kids usually say, oh, well, Mr. Bear took yeah. me to this island and he fed me berries and, and I uh, took a nap and Mr. Bear took care of me for a while. Yeah. And then there was, there was one I was reading uh, this was in, I want to say it was in Grand Teton. So it was the same fucking area that one dude went uh, missing for three hours in. But they said, uh, there was a park ranger that said they had a child that went missing like 16 hours. And they found him. And when they asked where he was, the, he said, the fuzzy man took me. And they thought, okay, big, you know, fuzzy man, or, or it's a bear or something. And they'd asked him to describe, well, okay, can you describe us how he was fuzzy? Did he have hair? And the kid went, no, he wasn't fuzzy as if he had hair, but it hurt to look at him. He looked fuzzy. And that was fucking weird. That, yeah. And he described it as, from what he could say, it, it almost sounded like the, the, the Wendigo stuff, where he said its limbs were pale and gone. Yeah. I'm the... Yeah. That's funny. It's like the fucking classic joke, like maybe Bigfoot's blurry and that's why you can't get a photo of him. But like there are stories like fuck if you look up Glimmer Man, the Glimmer Man is is an interesting like cryptid or whatever you want to call it, where it's basically like the Predator in fucking uh, fighting fucking Schwarzenegger, like the way like it, it distorts the the things around it like it almost like it has some reflective thing it reflects the things that are around it making it like effectively uh like transparent from your point of view and you mm. can't quite see it um there's a lot of stories like that i wonder if that's like fucking cloaking technology that the government uses to kidnap people into their underground bases probably i mean it could be but you know what if they do have this technology that doesn't mean it's like not inherently demonic like they could have just got it. Could always or be demons. demons that's for sure. You guys use demons this word a lot. Demons. Mm. It's demons, a, it's kind yeah. of a meme because we talked about aliens for so long, yeah. and it was constant people saying they're demons. I don't I'm not arguing uh. with you. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, that's that's just the audience. The audience calls everything demons. I I always keep the the demons take like it's it's open. It's an option. I guess. Don't always have to go with demons. Yes. I'm, not, case here. Uh, I'm not sitting here trying to be right all just, the time either. The, I'm just talk, talking about weird yeah. shit, dude. I'm the weirdest take. Mm. This is the worst fucking case I've read. So this one really, this one bothered me. I read it. Like I, I had like, a, I didn't sleep good that night after I read this one. Because it, it, it was so weird the way this happened. All right. So the last dude was uh, Mitchell Dale Stalling, or Staling. Staling, I think is his German name. He's 51. He had set out in June 2013 for a very short hike. Because the dude's old. He's not going to go on a long hike. And he's going up to Park Spruce Treehouse, a 130-room 
archaeological site with eight ceremonial chambers known as kivas. The man's wife, Deneen Stalin, speculated that he her directionally challenged husband hiking without water and map that sunny day might have misled the sign pointing to the Chapin Mesa Archaeological Museum and inadvertently went with Trim. And, you know, that sounds reasonable, but it gets weirder later. Uh, so a family spotted him near Petroglyph Point Trail, the 2.4-mile-long narrow path. Then the stone staircase to reach the top, there are places along the trail where it wouldn't be hard for someone to wander in the backcountry, but... The backcountry is not, it's not like a sheer cliff. It's still easy to fairly walk into. It's not like it's we're not all the way up the mountain. So it's still weird that he went off trail running. The family told Stalin, uh, Stalin's wife, they leapfrogged past one another and were together at Petroglyph Point, 1.4 miles from the trailhead, but they never saw him afterwards, neither did anyone else. Though later reports from a hiker on Petroglyph Trail. Two weeks later, approximately, who claimed to have heard someone calling for help. When approaching the area she was caught, she heard the noise calling from, she could find no one. So she notified the park rangers. The park rangers, after doing the initial search the day of and couldn't find him, they get a whole nother and they comb the entire park. So basically, you don't know how like, they search for someone. They use a grid system. And yeah. They take like string. And they tie grids, and they look in this grid, and it ensures that every place is looked at, basically. Every little square that someone can be at. And they couldn't find him. So, still, it's a failure to find him. And then a, a week later, a journalist was out there and heard his voice from another place. So, this place was like half a mile down the opposite way of the park. So... That makes no sense. If he fell, okay, if he fell, let's let's say he somehow got to the top and fell off. How is he moving 1.5 miles with probably all broken limbs? Like, there's no way that dude was uninjured if he fell, you know, off the side of a mountain or whatever. Yeah. So that's weird that they heard him in another place. And so she went and notified the park rangers, but the park rangers told her that two searches had been conducted and they were declaring him missing, and it's now a cold case. So this is in 2014. So this is a year later. Uh, and it says, Mesa Verde Fridays announced Friday uh, 2019 that an anonymous tip led to the discovery of human remains in a remote area of the park. Park law enforcement rangers with assistance from ISB and Montezuma County Coroner's Office located and retrieved the remains on Thursday. So, basically, the way they, they found him, says, was 4.2 miles, the opposite way of the park, from where he should have went missing at. So, if he fell off there, how did he get all the way around to the mountain? Yeah. And, yeah, like, that, none of this makes any sense. And then the voices, like, being heard in different places and causing the, the search party to get distracted, that's, that's friggin' really strange. That's another thing that comes up all the time. Help me, help me. You hear that in a lot of these stories, in the Faye stories too, about like hearing these these voices. Um, it, it's almost like, I don't know, fucking, you know, we're talking about mountains, we're talking about fucking rocks, we've been doing that the whole time. Like, 
almost like oh, this is strange. Taken into the, the mountain, calling from in the rocks. Rocks. Like if you got okay, Lisa. The only injury his skeleton had was he had some uh, cranial fracturing, but he had no no like legs broken, no broken limbs. If there's no way, if he fell off that mountainside, he would have a fucking broke arm at least. No way he just bumped his head and walked that far with like yeah. if he fell with that kind of force and hit his head, his head would have cracked or he would be you know. No, nah, something friggin' clubbed his head in, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Alright. I think oh, and this is a weird thing. I don't know how true this is. But it says also there was somebody in the that was talking about this case that said when they found his body, uh, it was a skeleton, of course, because this is eight years later, that he was, like, laid out in perfect position, like almost like something had laid him down yeah. and left him. And that was weird. It's similar to, like, the clothing in all these accounts. Like, they're, everything's placed well, yeah. intentionally. And there's an, there's an element of intelligence was- happening. And, you know, he was poking around Native American shit. I mean... Yeah, don't fuck with those you know, rocks, rocks, bro. I'm sure boulders. I'm sure yeah. there were rocks there. It was a, it was a petroglyph, yeah. Yep. Alright, with that, I believe we are out of content. And since all of my regular co-hosts are fucking busy tonight, I think that, that's all we got. There is the Big Lenny episode that we did stream on other platforms. Check out my DLive, check out my Twitch. It's around. Right, find the links if you know how to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be uploaded soon. Now that I'm out of fucking YouTube jail, I have to edit some shit a little bit. So there is the fucking second episode of the big Lenny shit coming up. I want to remind everybody to go to yacklebees.com, listen to all the podcasts there and hit that fucking merch tab. You want to come out come into the discord and talk about all this fucking goofy shit with us. Patreon.com slash Yakov alive. Uh, do you guys got anything you want to shill? Okay. Oh, um, come check out my YouTube videos. I'm going to read books to y'all, and maybe we'll do some more things there. We'll see. What's the channel called? Oh, it's just uh, K98. I mean, I'll, you can see me comment here in the I'll I'll drop chat. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, drop come. the fucking link. I'll fucking drop it in the description and all that. Uh, Polak, you got yeah. anything you want to say? Uh, not really. Just that uh, I find the missing four one one stuff fascinating because it's it's so strange. And then the, the I, near I, misses. I tell you, I had a near miss myself uh, years An ago walking rape. through the park. Uh, well, there was. I put it to you this way: I was walking through a familiar place uh, in this uh, wooded area there, and. Uh, there was a voice that done called out my name, a familiar voice. Sound like somebody I know. But uh, I looked in the woods, there was nobody there. And I was going somewhere. So Noped the going. fuck out of there. And, I yeah. booked it, yeah. <laughs> With that, I will fucking catch you people on the flip side. Uh, definitely more readings coming. I'm going to do some David Polite's, uh audiobooks. That's coming up. Um, check it out, bro. Check it, check it. Catch you later. Yeah.